Welcome to the Wing Life Podcast, where we talk about wing foiling and the lifestyles of those who enjoy this great sport. Hey, it's great to meet you both at AWSI. It was cool. AWSI is really cool. I want to go back. Yeah, how did that show go for you both? It's really cool to be there. Like, I'm from Rio, from Brazil, and we don't have this kind of events here. So for me, it's like all new and it's really nice to see all the brands, a lot of athletes, like a lot of friends. And yeah, I really like. Lane yeah. is going there every year, so. Yeah, I usually, I've been going to Hood River since I was like 12 years old. So, um, but the AWSI is new for me, which is cool. Like it's, it's just cool to, I don't know, foiling is such like a small world. So like you kind of know everybody. So it's fun that all your friends just go to one spot and you get to go hang out and meet new people. And so I feel like that's, that's why I go to AWSI, but <laughs> nice. Yeah. This year, the wind was not that good. Yeah. It was kind of weird, but anyway, everyone's there. Like all the brands is good, like to meet people and to like talk about next year, understand more the gear, try new gear. I think AWSI is kind of good for like all the people around the, kiting, winging, and foil world because I feel like it's the only place that people find about like changing gear and testing everything. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first season going down and, and it was cool to meet some legends and then see a lot of the athletes and meet some of the athletes and stuff and everybody else that's involved. It was pretty cool. It was a fun event. We got a little bit of water time, but so you guys home for a little bit then? Yeah. For a couple months. <laughs> couple months do you live full-time in brazil um not really like it's my first time spending maybe more than three months in in brazil since a long time but with my spend three months here i got injured and i hurt myself like really bad in madagascar like my leg and we still still like trying to understand what happened like doctors and all those things so okay, i'm sorry to hear black it's okay <laughs> so you guys are home for medical visits and stuff then for a little bit. Do you want to talk about what happened or leave that off? Yeah, we or, yeah? yeah, we can. Sure, yeah. yes. So what was the trip for Madagascar um, for? Was it, a, was it a sponsored trip or was it a trip that you guys want to do on your own? Or? Um, no, I have a few trips for F1 every year. And we try to choose like places that's not that common for kite surfers or wing filers or like yeah, most of kiting and winging. And this year we decided to go to Madagascar. Everything was new for us. And at the end was one of the nice and like most beautiful places I've been in my whole life. And but yeah, we were far from everything. So when I heard my leg there, it was kind of like, okay, maybe I have to go back home and see what happened. Because we were like, I don't know, almost 20 hours from the closest hospital or something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And how was transportation there to get back to, like you flew direct to the, you got to the airport and you kind of came home right away or? Not really. Like. It was a long trip. It was a long trip. I thought it was fine. Like I knew something happened, but I thought it was like, okay. So we stayed like two days longer and two days more, but I didn't kite or wing or surf or anything. Dane was surfing every day. <laughs> he was there for filming. So okay. 
at the end was really good for him because <laughs> <laughs> the last two days he was able to surf. But I waited like two days and then I flew to California thinking everything would be fine, but was still like super painful. So I decided to come to Brazil to see my doctor. And then I flew here. It was like a long journey. It was like five days traveling to get here. And now we're still like trying to understand if I need sur surgery or not, but probably not. So okay. it was like a month ago now and I'm walking, like doing almost everything. I cannot go in the water still, like not tight or anything, but I feel like way better. I feel like I'm almost ready, but my doctor is not thinking the same. So I have to wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're on the mend and I'm assuming that was probably kite surfing down like a 60 foot face. I'm assuming what happened or no, really, this is the craziest part because I feel like all the time when it's big, maybe I'm way more conscious and like paying much more attention in what I'm doing. It was like a small day, light wind, but my kite was like one side and the wave pushed me to the other side and my leg kind of went up with the board. It was a very like small thing that at the end was not that small, but those days that you think like everything's going to be fine. Worst thing that can happen is like your kite go in the water because the wind is too light. So yeah, I wasn't expecting, but it's part of the game. <laughs> it is part of the oh. game. And surfing yeah, was, was good fun. for you, Dane, then? It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we had some good filming the first couple days and then, yeah, it kind of went light and small and, and then she hurt herself. <laughs> so I got to surf a little bit, but. Yeah, the trip was absolutely amazing. So the place is so beautiful. People are so nice. And it's like the place we were, we had no like uh electricity, no water, no anything. We we're like showering with a little bucket. <laughs> <laughs> it was like really in the middle of nowhere. And at the beginning we were a little worried about like how we would charge the cameras and batteries and like who would do a movie because we went there to do like a movie. So we were like, okay, it's really nice, but we're kind of camping. It's going to be hard. We're not ready for it. We're not prepared for this like situation. But at the end, like was everything perfect. The owner of the camp was so nice in helping with everything. And people there are so open. Like, it was amazing. It was really amazing. Oh, it's nice to hear. Yeah, so some of your like mutual stuff on Instagram and whatnot, it looked pretty, it looked cool. Yeah, yeah we were like, going around on a little canoe like first day we got there and we're like okay maybe we're gonna have like a boat waiting for us and then the guy was like oh that's my boat and we saw it was like a tiny canoe and we're like okay how far we go two hours we're like, okay to get to the hotel but oh no was, way and so obviously man-powered like a little motor on there or no a little motor yeah a yes. little motor okay yeah, you never know what kind of adventures you're going to get into, right? When you go to different places. And this is the good part. I feel like because of kiting in competition, like I go a lot to the same places every year. Like I kind of keep going to the same places and depending on the time of the, the year because of the season. And for me, going to new places is always like the best part. I wish I could go just to new places all the time. <laughs> How were how were the conditions in Madagascar? Uh, it was 
it was super good. It's definitely a ch- like a challenging place for um to like find all the right waves and conditions and wind and like it's you we planned it like a while ago so it's kind of like you show up and you hope that um i don't know that you have wind and <laughs> waves yeah and like, the forecast looked absolutely insane the first day but it was i don't know 20 20 foot it was showing like 20 to 25 yeah and like super windy and i was like it's yeah. gonna be perfect like it's a dream it's gonna be huge yeah. i was yeah. really happy but and i think i think there were some definitely some spots that were like workable but like with no hospital like there's just a canoe to go get you if anything happens like it's a reef and then you're sitting like way inside on a beach and okay. so it's like it's like yeah it might be cool to go but like the risk is like so not worth it so um, and also the guys like from there they were not very open about us going in the waves yeah. i feel like hmm. i would be happy maybe i would not be okay going in a wave because i always like to see when it's big and like decide if i want to go or not but i was really happy about like maybe going like going there checking and like deciding if i want to go or not but the guys like i feel like they didn't even like give us the chance to look because they were too worried about something happen. So huh. the first day he was like, no chance, we cannot leave the bay. Like the boats are too small. And I mean, I agree, I think that it's true. true. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's true. Like we could not leave the bay. Like the bay was all like big waves and impossible with the little canoe. But okay. then we heard about different wave that we could go by car in front of a hotel, like a, another tiny hotel. But the guy said the waves, were too big that we could not go. And I mean, maybe- This episode is brought to you by Saladita Kite School in La Ventana, Mexico. If you caught some of our uh, stories yesterday on Instagram, you'll have seen that. I just got in a couple epic days of downwinding. We got a 10 kilometer downwinder done with my buddy Mickey from Salt Spring Island. Today, I got in an epic one with my friend Britt. Um, we went from Latuna all the way to the beach and back. Um, heck of a fun time if you're looking to learn there's nothing better than getting a lesson from the pros at saladita kite school they are positioned at latuna and now that i've been here a little while i've gotten the opportunity to visit to a couple different spots it is one of the more beginner friendly beaches with some nice sand so you're not walking on any rocks Um, they do offer professional jet ski assisted kite and wing foil lessons um, so once again, they're at Latuna. So if you want to grab a beer after, grab some ice cream, grab anything, it is a nice little hub there. So you're not just stuck kind of in the middle of nowhere. So they have you covered if you want to learn how to kite, foil, or looking into downwinding. They got top quality gear as well. Uh, so don't hesitate. Book your lessons today by visiting saladitalaventana.com or send them a message on Instagram at saladita kite school at saladita kite school it's true like maybe it was like over but i feel like people there they're worried about tourists about us because i feel like if something happened like the tourism that's already not big gonna like finish completely so they kind of like to protect us and the place a lot a lot a lot a lot <laughs> okay and how big was the team that went down with you was it just the two of you or just us yeah <laughs> okay. we're doing this it's good we're faster yeah. Yeah. if you're not like a lot of people will move faster. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You can dart around and, and hone down on forecasts and 
easy to change plans. The Madagascar was so fast. Everything it was like, oh, conditions are going. Like, just go, go, go. You know, like kite would go up and like kite. And then I think the our best wave, we had like 45 minutes, I think, of kiting. So it was like, it was definitely like, the the whole experience was unreal and like, like wouldn't change anything. But like, if you just take the like kiting and surfing part, it was definitely pretty challenging. Yeah. But like the actual trip was absolutely unreal. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Life experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you're both home safe. So. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. Well, hey, for folks at home who are who are, have followed you on Instagram and who would love have both of your work, um, it'd be cool to get to know both of you a little bit more. So, who wants to go first and tell us more about themselves? Yeah, I can go first. Um, yeah, so I'm Dane. Um, I grew up. Uh, I grew up sailing, um, and I started when I was like five years old, and that was pretty much my entire life was was sailing, and that's all I wanted to do. And I've basically did that until like two years ago. I, I did a couple like youth world championships, which is like under 18. And then I did two Olympic campaigns. And, and then like the whole foiling <laughs> kind of slowly just took over my mm-hmm. life. Um, and like I, I, between the sailing and the foiling, I did the the formula kite racing for like three years. Oh, wow. um, and that's, that's where I got into foiling actually. And then from there I, I went into surf foiling and then slowly got a wing and then downwind. And like, now it's like, now it's all I do. <laughs> I, like I sailed, yeah, I sailed once in the last like, now you think of all this every day, yeah. all day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like then, the rest of us. Exactly. <laughs> And then, like, when I stopped sailing, I also, like, I've been doing photography and video stuff, like, as a hobby for a long time. And then I stopped sailing, and I was like, what am I going to do? And so I started the film and photography stuff, and it's been a little slow, and, like, it has its ups and downs, and some months are absolutely sick, and some months you're like, ah, what am I doing? (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's it's been awesome, and that's that's pretty much all I do now. So Oh, awesome. I to travel and film like still super connected to the ocean and obviously wind and all that stuff. So it's all the, it's all like the same premise, I guess, just diff, just a little different. And I'm, I'm happy to be stepping away from like the competition side. Cause it's like so stressful and consumes so much of your life. And now it's like, you enjoy, you, you do what makes you happy and feels good. So, and I'm, I'm glad I can make a little bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And so that's Salty Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. How'd you pick the name? Uh, we're brothers, and we're, <laughs> you're salty. And we do the, yeah, we're in the ocean all the time. So I don't know if it would have worked if we were in the, a lake or somewhere. You know? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Does that have the same ring? Oh, nice man. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, your turn, uh, Marcella. I'm like my family. My whole family come from windsurfing. So it was not really an option for me <laughs> when I saw I was there. So I grew up like watching my parents like windsurfing and my grandfather and my aunt and my uncle, like my really my whole family uh, windsurfing. And I remember my whole life I was like wanting to learn, but I was too young at the time. And in Rio it's not that often like to have a strong wind because windsurfing is not like kiting, you need a stronger wind. So it's not that often and I feel like 
my parents were young and of course they want me like to learn but it was more like my father putting me in his board and like riding around and like bringing me back but thinking I was like too young to learn and then when it was finally time to learn I was maybe nine or ten they moved to kiting so <laughs> but at the time kiting was just two lines so again it was too dangerous and too crazy for like a little girl 10 years old to learn and I had to wait Sorry. again so I was just watching and like kind of learning from the beach and when I was 13 I had my first experience first experience with kiting was really different at the time it was like I don't know a long time ago I'm 32 now so it was okay. a long time ago and and then I was like completely in love since the first time and when I was 15, 14, 15, I was competing, like Brazilian competition and small competitions. Also wakeboarding, I was kind of mixing both. But I never thought it would be my life. Like I was studying theater and fashion at the time. Like I was studying theater at the time. And I wanted to be an actress. Like I was really not wanting to be an athlete. It was really not like I was, I love kiting, but was this is not my life. It's what I thought at the time. And I really tried to go to the theater side and... I was doing this a lot too. I was like maybe 20 and I was traveling a lot for kiting and I was doing TV shows in Brazil all about kiting and surfing since I was 16, 17. Hell yeah. But again, not really like thinking about like, oh, it's going to be my life. Not at all. I was like, this is for now. I'm going to be an actress and everything going to be fine. <laughs> but then at one point, they invited me to do a different TV show, like traveling a lot. And... And then I was like, okay, maybe I should be an athlete. <laughs> maybe this is what I am. <laughs> and then I I went completely to the um, like traveling and kite surfing and surfing world and like completely focused on this when I was around like 20. And but again, not thinking about compete like a GK or anything like this because I like competition, but it's not really my thing. I feel like I'm much more competitive with myself than with other people. Like it's mm, not okay. something that motivates me a lot. Like I like to be there sometimes. Like if it's a good wave with good conditions, I'll be happy to be there and ride like really happy because I'll have this spot just for me and like one or two girls. But <laughs> not really yeah, that's true. the first place. It's not really me. Of course, win is really good and I cannot, I'm not going to lie. Like it's really good to win and it's an amazing feeling. But for me, it's not worth it to like not leave everything I'm leaving and not travel and produce content and like meet people and learn about new cultures. Like for me, this is more important than a competition. And it's mm -hmm. not about right or wrong, but yeah, kind of like this. So I was traveling a lot and filming like TV shows and learning about like a lot of things in the world. I was really happy doing this. And then at one point, they gave me the wild card to compete the strapless freestyle in Brazil. And I was just on kite wave. I didn't know anything about strapless freestyle. And I was like, but I don't know. I don't know anything about this. And they were like, yeah, but you were the Brazilian champion. And like, we need the girl going, please just go. And I was like, okay. And then I focused like completely on this. I was training like a lot, a lot, a lot, like for a month, month and a half, something like this. And I went to competition and they had like, a, I mean, a good result for the time I was training. I finished fourth and- That's pretty good. Yeah, it was good. And then I was like, oh, this is fun. Like I kind of like it. And then I was like 
starting strapless freestyle, like doing this sometimes and like kite wave and next year I compete again, I finished third. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this, it's nice. And, and then I decided to compete like the whole tour and I was riding a different brand at the time. And because I was competing the whole, whole tour and like traveling, I signed with F1. Ah, and it was yeah. a little bit before of pandemic. So pandemic started and was the very beginning of like my time really like into competition thing. I was a professional kite surfer, but much more like producing content about kite wave and like downwinds and things like this. Hmm. But when I signed with F1, the only thing they asked me for was like, okay, but we want to start winging. I was like, that's easy. Like, I'm happy about this. We can do that. <laughs> and and then I, I was in Portugal uh, during pandemic. So I tried a lot, but I had no idea what I was doing. Because it was like 2019, I think, was the very beginning of yeah, the really, sport. Really. No classes. Everything was closed. And I was like really far in Portugal and in a place with not much people. So I was able to go to the beach and go to the lagoon. But I didn't know even how to like grab my wing. I was like, okay, how should I do this? And of course, it was a disaster. And a couple months, like after pandemic, they wrote me saying, like, so we're gonna do a shooting, like a wing shooting, and you're part of the shooting. I was like, oh really? <laughs> so maybe I have to learn. And they're like, yeah, you have like two weeks. Go learn this. And then I went to Ceará, um, and here in Brazil. And I focused on this and I learned and I did the shooting and I was like completely in love. I was like, this is my thing. And I competed like for one year, the wing tour and it was really nice. And how did that I go? Was it was good. I, I finished yeah. top five. I was really happy. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> That's pretty good. I was good. really happy. Yes. And I feel like it was really nice, but competing kiting and winging was too much. So okay. I decided to like keep on wing, but not competing and focus more on kiting. But during pandemic, like was the end. So it was complicated to travel and everything and was kind of like not full into it. It was fun. It was good. And now like this year, I decided to like follow what I really like and what I believe. And I didn't compete again, and I'm completely focused on producing content for F1 and for my other sponsors. And this is what I really like. <laughs> I feel ah. like I can do this forever. And now that I'm not kiting much, I feel like it's crazy because I was thinking about this yesterday, how much I love my job. Because I feel like how much people, how many people like can have this feeling about like not being able to work and be crazy about like wanting to go back to work. Because every day I feel like I really want to kite, I really want to wing, I want to be in the water. And at the same time, this is my work. And, and I feel like how lucky I am thinking like every day that I really want to go back to my work. And yeah, so. It's, it's, something, it, it's something that I think very few people get to feel. And I think it's so important the people who are at the forefront of this, like the both of you producing this awesome content and putting it out into the world and showing people, because there's a whole other aspect that I'd love to go into and find out more about your bus and how you both got more into your lifestyle of that sorts. But I think it's critical at a time like this where people, especially with COVID and pandemic, they're getting more and more isolated. 
jobs are getting more and more and more isolating. And then you're getting, for, it's almost, it, it's a feeling because you have that feeling of excitement and it's like you're on the other side of this artificial veil and you're like, I never want to go back to that side again because it's such a freeing experience and such a loving thing. Um, I think have, being able to share those stories like how you are is pretty cool because it'll help other people find that because it's a calling of sorts, I think. And I feel like everything I had like during my life, I was completely against what people were telling me to do. Like I was 20, like wanting to study theater and like kiting. So like it's two kind of jobs that people don't take much serious. And they're like, you should do something like a real job. And I was like, this is a real job. Like, this is what I want to do. And I love this. And I don't care about what you think. I love tears and I love kiting and that's it. So like all the time in my life, I feel like people are telling, trying to tell me that I should try to do something different. And especially when I decided that I would be like, a, okay, I want to be a professional kite surfer, but not competing. I remember people laughing at me like, okay, it's already hard to be a kite surfer competing. Now you want to be a professional kite surfer not competing. And I was like, yeah, no, I want to make it, I'm going to make it happen. And people really like not believing in me, like a lot of people. Hmm. And it's really nice like now living, like be able to live from this and like fo I, I follow my dreams and it's working. Like I love what I'm doing and I'm living from this. It's kind of like, it's good. <laughs> I think that um, it depends on kind of how esoteric you want to get, but like there are some theories of enlightenment that state that enlightenment is following your purpose and passion and living through joy in that sense and being able to connect those dots and then showing that to other people. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. So I tip my, if I tip my hat <laughs> to you both. Nice. That's cool. Um, Dane, for, for your competitive side, did you feel the same way about sailing? Because I know that can be extremely, the training and everything involved for both your sports, like, would be extremely time consuming. Did you feel that? And when you were able to kind of connect more into your, your hobby and turn that into a pro career, then? Yeah, I think the, yeah, the competition side, I think it's, it's, it's definitely like an interesting balance, like kind of going back to what we were just talking about, like my family had a, a motto that was like artwork play every day. So you do a okay. little bit of art, a little bit of work, a little bit of play. Oh. And um, I think the competition side of stuff, like it's just like, I loved it. I love sailing. I love like the process of like, you start here, you work a ton and then you end up here and you're like, okay, mm. that improvement, that felt good. And then you do an event and you get a, place and you're like okay that was sick now i'm gonna improve this this and this and then i'm gonna go get a better place you know and in theory you just keep getting better and better and better yep. and like i really enjoy that process i i love competing like when you put everything together and it, and it works is such a rewarding feeling but sail like olympic sailing is such a hard um sport to like make a living from like there's mm. not much social media around it there's not much media at events like it's it's really like self-funding it which or like you ask for donations or like you, it's kind of like this weird like i don't know i hate to I say what it, you're but saying it's, elitist, it's kind of like elitist sport and i i'm like 
actually sailing I love, but like kind of everything else around it was, I was kind of not really feeling like fully fulfilled. And okay. I, I'd like put, I, <laughs> I took so long to get through college. Like I think like seven or eight years or something like that. Cause I did like a couple of years and I stopped and I went sailing and I came back and stopped. Then I was like, like when we, when we met, I still had, I think like a <laughs> yes. couple, a couple like quarters left to go. And I was like, Oh my God, I need to finish this and just get it done. <laughs> but but yeah, now like, like it's, it's fun. Like I go to her competition sometimes and like, it's really enjoyable to be around competition and like a lot of my friends are still doing it and it's enjoyable to be around it. But I, I feel like the, just like enjoyment and fulfillment of life, like I feel way, way better from a day to day thing. I now with like, I enjoy what she was saying. Like I enjoy my work. I enjoy like if I, if I don't, or I get like over it and burnt out or something like that and I stop, like it's not too like very long at all before I'm like, Oh, like I need to go like create something or go do something. So I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of like in kind of curious to see how, how you both met, but in that sense, it kind of brought you both together to kind of do this next chapter together, which is pretty cool. Cause you're both bringing in different skills and then to have that in the team is pretty awesome. Yeah. We met because of this actually like, yeah, we cool. went to a, was was not really a job. Went with Parley to Patagonia, Argentina, and it's a really beautiful place in Patagonia. And we were there to show what was happening in the island about trash and all this. And we went there. We were there for like for winging and show the place and do like a movie about this. And we met there beginning of last year. And at the time, we're not like really sure about what would happen because I was in Brazil. He was in California. And I was traveling a lot. He was finishing like college, like the the college. I always mix the names because like, anyway, um, he was finishing college in California. And I was like, how is it going to happen? But let's try. So we're kind of like sharing, like going there. And he was coming here and I was going there again. Like he came like three times last year. And I was there like three times last year. We're kind of like trying to make it happen. But then since the very beginning, we're working together, but not really like calling it work, but was work <laughs> because <laughs> he was helping with my pictures for sponsors. And like I was filming him like uh, when he was surf filing and like we're doing things like this, but not really thinking about like a job or a work like we're doing for fun. And yep. then I realized it like, okay, we're good working together because we're not even thinking about working. We're producing a lot of cool, cool things. So I started to talk about him to my sponsors and like, hey, I should do this with Dane because I was always traveling with a lot of people. I was like, this is easy. It's cheaper for you guys because I'm here all the time. Um, like if we travel, of course, you're going to pay everything for a photographer. But like if I'm in California, like you just pay him. And at the beginning it was like a test. It's true. <laughs> At the beginning, it was really a test because people were like, okay, this girl's trying to sell her boyfriend. This is weird, yes. but let's give it a chance. But and look then... at that. Look at that face, though. That's like a model S <laughs> figure right there. It would be a hard sell. <laughs> I like, this is dang. Yeah, that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, like, first time we were a little worried, like, we have to do a good job because it's our first work together. And then I remember the brand completely love it. And then the second brand again, like the same. 
And then the brand started to pay us to travel together and produce in different countries, like different cities and travel with the bus and do things like this. And it was faster than we thought. We're like, okay, we started this slowly and then we see what happened. And like a couple months later, we're like traveling a lot together and working together. And oh, no way. it's good. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like we have to separate work and life because we're both like kind of workaholic a little bit. And I really love my work, but it's been good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's cool to be able to find that kind of, how it all kind of slotted in together. That's pretty neat. Yes. Nice. So can we, for, let's, for you, Marcella, there's a lot of like female athletes are, there's a lot of women that we're trying to get more and more into sport, but it's always nice to hear um, from female athletes that that journey is possible and that there's more women that should pursue sport in this sense. I have a, I have a few Kyder friends and whatnot, and they just, they find it, it's hard sometimes um, in, in that sport. I feel like all these sports are really hard, but especially kiting, like for a lot of brands thinking about sponsors, <laughs> kiting is not a sport, it's expensive sport. So if you think about surfing or football or like basketball or all this, like most of people are able to buy a ball or to buy a used surfboard, secondhand surfboard. So you talk to much more people. So whatever you do, I'm not saying it's easy to find a sponsor, but it's probably easier to show what you're doing. And if you're good, like you're going to have much more people watching like a football game or a basketball game than watching like a kite surfing competition because kiting is way newer and kiting, unfortunately, is not to everyone yet. I hope in the future, but like being like completely honest, not yet. So I feel like we have to stop to try to f be like, to follow like a the same process or like be the same model or like try to be exactly as the same one you think is doing good yeah. and find your own way to do everything. Because I feel like it's much more about personality and lifestyle and also competition is important, but much more about like what you're teaching, like who you're spying, like what you're doing, what you're showing than just go in front of a camera in a competition and saying, oh, my result was this, 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 this. I hope I do better next competition. Thank you. Bye. Like, this is this not going to work. Like, this is not working since a long time. So it's not going to start working now. So I feel like a lot of people want to like live from kiting, but they're still doing the same thing for many years. And I feel like I had so many no's in my life and like so many, it's like a thousand no's for one yes. And we have to not be scared of the no and not be scared about like showing yourself and like being honest and showing what we trust and being part of the projects that we trust also. Because competition is nice, but even the biggest comp kite competition is still small. So how are we going to be big being part of a competition that's still small? Like we need to do something else, like just competition not going to work. And that's true. This is what I believe. Like competition is nice and it's getting bigger, but it's not enough yet. <laughs> so you found a way to kind of break through content and through videos that are being all of them being paid for by your sponsors or some of them are being paid for by other companies or the content that you're um, producing? I was doing a lot of TV shows in Brazil. Okay. Uh, what? And I think it helped a lot. 
because Big O TV, I was able to show the brands to a lot of people. Mm, and okay. every year I'm still filming like TV shows. And of course, it's a different number like comparing to social media. And I feel like I was really lucky to be able to do this. But now we have so many things like YouTube or like even Instagram and TikTok and all those things like because brands at the end, they want to sell products. So you have to show the products to the brand to look at you and say like, I want to sponsor these people because these people is representing my product. And I want to like, I want to give my product and I want to give money, give a good budget to this person to travel and to like show my brand because it's going to be worth it at the end. Because like we live in a completely capitalist, is this the word in English? Same in Portuguese? Yeah. We live in a capitalist world. So like at the end, the brands, they want to be bigger and they want sponsor people that are going to help them maybe Bro. to sell more. So yeah. sometimes it's just like find a way to be able to train, to be able to get better, to be able to thrive, to, uh, to travel, to live the life you believe. But at the same time, do the part that sometimes not that fun, but it's part of the job. Like be able to show the product to more people and make the brands proud and wanting to have you. That's true. That makes sense. And in order to do that, all those pieces have to fall in into place. Um, and it's it's not easy work for either of you. No, for either of you. So I think it looks really easy. Like a lot of people say, you have the best life. You're just traveling like with your boyfriend everywhere with your friends. I'm like, this is the part you see. <laughs> I'm happy you're seeing this and I'm happy you think this because this is like, this is important. Like this is, we're trying to spread the sports and like what we believe in lifestyle. So if people are thinking this, we're doing a good job, but there's a lot of work behind the scenes to make it happen. <laughs> I can't imagine like even this, this latest trip that you just took, there's obviously like, how long did it take you to plan that? And obviously you brought a bunch of gear as well. So that is sometimes even just complete chaos. Yes, we was trying to plan a trip since a long time, but because Madagascar is really complicated and far from everything it was kind of hard, but just our flight was 72 hours just to get there. And we travel with like two big board bags and two big bags full of gear because we had no idea what to expect. And we oh, were yeah. stressed like the first days because we didn't know about the wind, the forecast was always changing. So yeah, we didn't have internet either. So they're like the, Philippe, or the person that, that owned the camp would be like, here's the morning forecast. You're like, this is all you get. <laughs> and then like, we're like, okay, where does that work? And we're like, I don't know. Maybe we try here or here. Like, okay. Hopefully that works also. <laughs> so are there expectations? There's obviously expectations for delivery of a like, do you get certain things that they want to see? Uh, is is there a director at the end of this saying, hey, we want four or five things? Or, or do you have the creative kind of to just produce your own thing? I mean, uh, it's really nice. I feel like with F1, like they give a lot of creative uh, uh, op opportunity for the right wrong word. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and I feel like all their content is really 
really cool and kind of wild and it's not like cookie cutter, you know? So I, I think like really allow you to kind of do whatever you want, which is really cool. Obviously there's deliverables like photos and a video from the, the trip and then kind of the, everything kind of trickles down from there, whether you need like reels for Instagram or whatever. And, um, and then the, the raw content from everything. But the goal, the goal for the trip is to make like a longer form kind of movie about, about the whole trip. So. Okay. Which is, which is kind of stressful because you kind of, you plan it out and you think about the days about like, okay, this is the, this is the story we tell for this day. This is the story we tell for this day. And then like you film, which is the, the weird thing about like water sports is like, it doesn't cooperate with you. Like almost ever is no. like, we're like film an intro. We film like getting ready and pumping up the kite. And they're like, okay, this is the shots we're going to go do. And it's just like the times that it actually works. And you're like, <laughs> so like the amount of like rigging, shots i have that are just thrown away are wild it's it's but and then and then like sometimes you just be like oh yeah i got one shot from that session one from shot from that session and you, i don't know it's it's a very fun puzzle that you kind of put together every single trip and okay. sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and <laughs> and another thing is like never waste an opportunity like yeah, if it's yeah. a little windy and you're like oh i'm tired maybe we should wait no yeah. When you're doing this kind of trips, you never wait. You can be as tired, like, doesn't matter. You just go. Remember one day? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was going to say there's lighting involved and all these other things for to make sure yeah. that everything looks. Yeah, well, yeah. it's, it's go, go when there's wind and then hopefully yeah, it's okay. You need the one with the good light, but you have to get okay. back. Fair so enough. Like, I remember one day, I think it was the second day, and was it a little the stormy? Cycles. No, the the second day that we went, like the little downwind. Oh, uh, yeah. We did a little downwind because it was super beautiful, blue water and sunny. And then the wind was crazy strong, like really, really strong. And then it was like strapless freestyle time. And I didn't, I didn't have my strapless board there because I thought it would be like just waves, like was a 20 feet forecast. So I was like, <laughs> why did my strapless board? I don't need it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't bring. So... I was like doing strapless with a different board that's also good for strapless, but not like the one I use all the time. And then I was really tired, but the sunset was beautiful. And then it was like, you should go wing. And I was like, dang, it's like, you should go. And I was like, okay, I go. And I was so tired at the end. Like I was destroyed. Half, half the time she's like, if you pump up my wing, I'll go. <laughs> 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 like, fine, just pump it up. Get your camera ready. You're good. <laughs> I mean, it's a good strategy. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, I'll have some water. Can you pump my wing? And then I go. And it's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and then my wing's ready. <laughs> oh, nice. So that was like 20-foot sets rolling in and you're winging in that? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe it was somewhere, but we couldn't go out of the bay. Not, no, the no, bay. Like, where okay. we were, there's a beach and there's like 100 yards of like five five foot and then there's a big reef and then okay. all the waves are on there so like right in front of where we we're staying was like perfectly flat windy super beautiful and then if you went outside there was a ton of current 20 foot waves like oh whoa, okay and like not not organized at all like it was hectic, no hectic beach, like beach a beach break, break. Yes. Reef, so not not really somewhere you want to mess around with because no. the, the reef was all straight so no lines. Uh, so okay. Like once. Oh, if you wow. had it, yeah. 
get a jet ski there, I'm sure there's had to be some really fun wave somewhere. But, I'm sure. But there's for us to find it, like the canoe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess not. <laughs> well, I guess you tell a different story then. You tell a different story, and and, and in the end, I guess you're selling. You're selling freedom and fun through this, through F1, which is an amazing wing company and foils. Like I got to try their foils and at AWSI on, on a different board and good yes. stuff. Like some of their wings are probably the best brand for learning on, I find. I really like, I tried like almost all the wings because in competition, we kind of switch around sometimes after competition. Okay. And I really think like F1 is like the easiest and like for me was the best thing. Maybe because I was used to it. I don't know. I, I don't want to like push F1 here. It's not about this. But I really like the wing. It's light and easy and the foils are really good. And I feel like a lot of brands, they have like all kind of like um, all kind of things and the excuse to not be the best is like, oh, because we have a lot of gear, like we have all kind of gear. And then you have foil companies saying like we're the best because we're foil companies. And I feel like F1, they're able to have kites, kite boards, wing boards, like foil boards, everything, and be like, for me, the best or probably one of the best um, having all this. And for me, being sponsored by this brand is really good because I'm a kite surfer and a wing foiler. So it's really important to have a brand that's good in everything. Because I feel like a lot of brands are really good for kiting or really good for winging. And again, I feel very lucky, like being sponsored by a brand that it can have like all the gear and Madagascar was like showing me this a lot because I was switching like into like surf foiling, wing foiling, like kiting, like, at, like in one day I was doing everything. It was oh, wow. crazy. Yeah. No, I loved that one. I learned on them. And um, really? yeah, yeah. It's v, yeah. The swing V1 actually, the first version is pretty five. It was, a, it was a five meter. <laughs> it was hands down better. And I ride for... KT as an amateur kind of rider now, so I'm riding all their stuff. But I still, my mom still has like an F1 wing, and my buddy does too. So yeah, they're, they're, it's good stuff. It's definitely good. What were your first like wing foiling experiences like? Did you instantly fall in love with it? Was foiling weird? Like, how did you find that? Um, my first, I probably had a relatively easy wing foiling experience because of the kiting, like. Like I, I knew, I knew sails and wind, and then I knew foils from like foil racing. Okay. Um, but my two first experience was it one was in Sherman Island in San Francisco. It was like twenty five knots on like a sinker board and a one twenty, which is not what you want at all. And then my friend gave me his his wing with a, a waist belt with like okay. the worst Velcro ever. So I literally went paddled out held the wing up and I was like, Whoa! and it just shot out of my hands, waist belt came off and then it just went like way down the river, sat on this rock and just sat there and I like swam in and then I like tried it. Like it was lucky. It was just 25 knot. Like it was just windy on like a 4.5 or something like that. So I was like, I was up and going, but just like absolute chaos and hectic and crashing and like couldn't, couldn't go toe side or anything. Yeah. And then my second one was like, uh, I was like that experience. Like I learned a lot. Like that would be fun. So I went out at, at my home break at Cease in Ventura, and I was like, I'll get a smaller wing and like same board. So a sinker board on like a four in like fifteen knots, and I just sat there. And then um, one guy was like, "Can you like please take my stuff out? You look you're never gonna get up." So I I got up and like 
I think I caught like a couple waves on my like second yeah, session. So. Whoa, yeah, decent. But but that like well, I had tight. all the experience. I yeah. just had to put some. I was going to ask yeah. you, how fast are you ripping on those foils when you're kite racing? Kiting, uh, when I was doing it, uh, they were getting to like the mid to high 30 knots. And now oh. I'm pretty sure they're going faster. So, but yeah, the, the foils are ridiculous. Like they're so, I rode one in Hood River last year, like after not touching it. And the things are they're so locked in. They go straight. <laughs> they don't do anything else. Like. After after foiling and you're like, like you, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, like I tried to tack it. I'm like, okay, we're gonna turn. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely a different experience, but fair. Yeah, that'd be fast. Yeah, I I'm not in, really into like kite foiling. I just try with my normal like surf foiling board, and I go and come back. But I don't know. I'm from Rio. Like we don't really have this kind of wind here. It's either like super strong or super light, not super strong, but like strong enough to kite wave or like no wind at all. So I never like really got into it. But now I'm curious because I've seen a lot in California. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, a couple of uh, my friends say that I'm like a wind snob and <laughs> I counter it and say I'm a gear snob. And then like, they're like, oh, you don't want to wing in six knots on a seven meter and a, a downward board. And I'm like, no, I could go, I could go 30 on a kite foil. So like, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're slowly, I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong. But before it was so regimented. If you're a windsurfer, you were not allowed to look like you didn't like kiters. And if you're a kiter, you despise windsurfers. And if you got in trouble, Nobody would help each other. But I think we're starting to slowly see that you can go to the beach and you got seven tools and you can choose one and it's all about the same thing. But yeah. I find that hopefully that's starting to... Because so many so. athletes are doing multiple things now. Yeah, it seems like everybody's doing at least at least two of them, you know? And But like in Hood River, it's like the downwinders are frustrated with the kiters. They're going cross and the downwinders are going this way and like, the wingers are doing like something slightly different. So it's definitely like still frustrating, but like everybody does all the sports. So it's more just like if there's less people, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't know. I, it's also nice to show up to the beach with like one foil and a wing or something like that, or just your kite stuff. Cause it's like so nice to showing up. You're like, this is what I have. Are the conditions good for it? You're like, no, okay, I'm going to go home or something. I don't like remember that. the last time we did this. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> like every time we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to go on a trip. We're not going to bring very much. And then five board bags. Like, oh my God. What's wrong with that? So what, um, what's your favorite setup for F1 then for winging? Um, for the both of you. Mine or mine? Uh, for both. Mine? Yeah, we can talk both. Um, I think the skate. 950 like if i had to choose like one foil would be this kate 950 for winging and for surf foiling and for downwind for sure there you go like the 890 i think for good days okay but i kind of like the 950 for surfing people like like tiny tiny foils but i like to have like a little bigger and like have more control they make fun of me because of this but i feel like I like. I don't have to go that fast. I'm not like racing. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. 
Yeah. I had to, I had, I like to be chill and be able to pump and like find another wave and like not be like struggling all the time. And but yeah, that wind that winding I feel like a little different. I had a good day at Rufest last year. No, this year. Oh my god, I'm completely crazy. It's like two months. Two months ago. <laughs> within some months that I don't know when was it. Yeah, it was two months ago, not last year. Um I had a good day two months ago in Rufest and I feel like it was the best Darwin ever, like ever, ever, ever. And I was riding my Ego 890. And I think this is my favorite foil now. So for surf filing and winging, probably they skate. A little smaller if I'm going winging, like probably 750. Okay. And 950 if I'm going surfing. And for Darwin, the Ego. And Dane is riding a different brand now. Yeah, I, I read that. Now, <laughs> until she brings you over to F one for real. Yeah, <laughs> I ride. I ride lift, and oh, okay. I don't know. I think the one twenty is probably like the greatest all around wing. Like you can pretty much do everything you want on it. Um, but yeah, I mean the for winging the ninety is super fun for like a little bit bigger waves. The ninety and the twenty. And then downwinding any of their high aspect stuff. Like I just did this summer to the Molokai to Oahu on the, the 150. Oh, that, no way. That was pretty sweet too. So how was that adventure? It was, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was super cool. Like that was my first time doing that run. Like I didn't really practice for it. I did a bunch of training down in Brazil and like, and in California and that kind of stuff and pretty much just went over there blind and I was like, okay, here we go. And yeah, I, I did, I did relatively well. I definitely didn't. Um, I think like if I had a longer board, I, that was probably the only thing I would change is go really long board just for the, the paddle in at the end. But the race was cool. It's like so cool just being around, um, everybody that's just stoked on foiling like you talk to everybody and they're just stoked to downwind like it's not like they're stoked for the race specifically it's like oh we're just doing a big downwind with everybody and show off some gear show off what you're working on but it's like it's such a cool experience so fair enough what was your first downwinds like because that's the thing right now i had a miserable downwind my first one i <laughs> I don't remember. I guess it was like two years. You're deflating your wing at the beginning. No, I, I, yeah, no, that was after. No, so okay, so my first one, <laughs> I was like, ah, it'll be easy. I've net like no sup experience. What's oh, sorry, downward experience, <laughs> not supping. My first one, I did uh, this little shore runner in Ventura. It's like this okay. perfect like two mile run that goes. Um, it's just like a slightly onshore so you just catch a wave and you pump out the back and then you can kind of surf waves down the whole thing or really? you can kind of pump out and get into the wind chop so it's like really easy just get into it and i just did shore runners for like a year and just hmm. like you you go you fall you paddle in you find a wave you do it again just and to practice up kind of thing just because there wasn't there wasn't sub down with you oh okay like it, it was like that's all you did and then um we slowly started to hear about it and like me matt matt coast and uh cole uh were like we're like 
like Matt got into it and he's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. So I borrowed this board that was like a square. It's like <laughs> 20, 20, 28 inches wide or something like that for like surfing. Okay. And I was like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I don't know. And I went out and ended up paddling on my stomach downwind for like four miles. That was my first experience. I couldn't, I couldn't stand on the board for longer than like two seconds before falling off. And then went back to the ocean or like the surf and tried to figure it out there. And then went up the hood river and, and figured it out there. So, but yeah, that was my struggle. <laughs> this yeah. is not sorry. He told me when he was trying to convince me to start set fighting. <laughs> not at all. He was like, this is really easy. You're going to love this thing. It's I'm sure you're going to go to hood river and you're going to learn in one day. This is what he told me. And, but the, now, yeah. the entry or the barrier to entry for Darwin foiling now is so much less than it was when I like, and it, it's not like I learned like 10 years earlier. It was like a year before. And like the boards were all like the skinniest board I could find was like 24 inches wide. And everyone's okay. like, well, that's game changer. You know, and then like the next board I got, I'm like, ooh, do I go to 21 inches wide? And now, now my board's like 17 inches wide. And it's like, like, and her board's 18 now. So. <laughs> so how long did it take you to balance on that? Like you're getting up, but you're starting on your knees. Obviously the board kind of takes off because it has that hull. So it's pretty fast. Like how long did it take you to be able to stand up, paddle comfortably, catch something? From, from zero sup experience to downwinding was I think 10 days, but that was like with downwind experience like once i popped up i could do it there's okay. a lot of guys now learning with like zero downwind experience and zero sub yeah experience. this was me no oh yeah okay slightly <laughs> better but oh that is true yeah but like those people i'm like oh you got the you got the pop-up now you just downwind and it's epic and they're like how, how do i know and you're like oh oh no work <laughs> 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 on that so yeah oh marcella got a cushy a cushy no, the thing I is was like, ki- I was kiting and towing her up and coaching her down. Yeah, this is so true. Was, this is how we started in Sarah. Photographer yeah. and towing coach. Whoa. Yeah. But it was with the, oh, sorry. It was with the, the fireboard. We were in Sarah where it's like super windy and choppy. And like I was downwinding with my wing, but it's different because you go a little bit and then you're in trouble. You put your wing up and you go. So you think you know how to went, but it's not true. <laughs> it's a really wrong idea. Like I was like, I know how to downwind, I'm fine. It can go forever in a bump. But it's not really, because when we have your wing, you feel so safe that you like make less mistakes and you just put your wing up and it's different. So uh, then it was like, know. okay, so if you know how to downwind, let's try to go just with a surfboard, like just the fireboard, no wing. And I was like, fine. And I couldn't go like three meters. <laughs> oh, well. so the the paddle to the wing makes a heck of a difference then? Yeah. The thing yeah. is like, uh, the first thing, like when, when I finally learned how to like downwind on a fireboard, I was like, okay, now I have to learn how to go paddling. And for me, like the part of standing on the board was not hard. So the first like idea was like, okay, this is not that bad. I, I can... I can stand on my board, but then trying to pedal, I had no idea how to like, to pump or like how to like the movement uh, to make my foil work, with, like zero speed. 
Because when you are with your wing, you release your wing, but you have the speed already. But when you're paddling, you have to generate the speed, which is something like completely no for people that don't have the like paddling or like foiling, whatever experience, like surf foiling. Because I didn't know how to pump from one wave to the other wave at the time. Mm. So everything was new for me. And I feel like I took time. And I was like going really hard, like all the time and getting really tired. And then I couldn't go next day because I was like completely dead. And then I had to wait and go again. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not giving up. And then I was completely dead again. And then he worked coaching, like sailing now. And he tried to be a coach with me. And I was like, you stop doing this because you're going to fight. It's not going to work. <laughs> that does make sense though, because you got to start off get up on your knees and then like literally sup and then get that thing up into the air and then maintain it. You don't have no power. So like what if it goes to touchdown, you just got to paddle to kind of get through that touchdown and keep going kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be tough. Yes. Yeah, especially if it's not perfect. Like I was talking to Keith Tabul from KT and he was saying he was learning in Maui and saying Hood River was easier because you had more opportunities to catch swell out there. Like you'll end up paddling paddling waiting for something trying to get up like that would be pretty intensive yeah yeah hood river is definitely the place to learn okay also good because to know. Current. yeah and it helps more the wind is one side and the current is the other side so it kind of help you like to make your foil go up mm-hmm. i noticed that the glide was insane yeah insane it was so good but hey can we talk a little bit about this magical bus that you guys live in and travel around in. Love to learn more about that thing. Um, I built this bus um, a couple of years ago for a TV show also. And I built the bus and my plan was like, go to competition, go back to the bus, travel around, like be able to train in different spots because I could just drive around and like train in different places. And but right after I built the bus, the pandemic started and I couldn't go back to US for almost three years. And when I went back to the bus after that long, the bus was not working good because it was in a storage that was open, no roof. So oh, well, okay. the bus was like destroyed. The color was terrible. Like the engine was not that good because it was like uh, parked for a long time. So uh, May last year, mm-hmm. we started the mission of like making the bus work again. So went to like a hundred thousand different mechanics and was crazy. And this is how like I met Dane for Rio because we had the trip to Patagonia for 10 days that we're filming and everything was magical and perfect. And then I said like, okay, I'm going to go to California. I just need a little help. And I got there and I just like gave him the bus not working and said like, you may have to help me. I have to help me in this mission. And he was finishing school and having a lot of exams and things like this. And I was like, every three hours, like calling him like, Dane, the bus is not moving. I'm in this highway, this number, and I need your help. It was like, I cannot go now. Like, please, the guy from the gas station is saying I'm going to be kidnapped. I need your help. (laughs) Yeah, this really happened. (laughs) And I was like, this guy going to like, love me forever or like say he doesn't want to stay with me anymore it's either and or yeah exactly like it <laughs> yeah there's not, there's not a meet away for this like this nope. 
And yeah, apparently he stays. <laughs> Trial by fire. <laughs> but yeah, it was really crazy. In. It was just a test. So we fixed the bus. And yeah, it was a test, of course. Like, yeah. So we fixed the bus. And the first trip, I decided to go to Hood River, but then was like finishing his exams. So I went with two more, two different friends. And we got there and they stayed a little bit and then they went back to Brazil and Portugal where they live. And I stayed there for almost a month by myself with the bus. And I was like, Dane, you be ready because maybe I'm going to just call you and ask you for help. <laughs> and you're going to have to fly here. And luckily everything was good. After his exams, like he finished everything and just flew to Hood River and was our first like real trip with the bus. Nice. It was really good. This year we drove there again and the bus was completely fine. So, yeah. The bus is, was a crazy idea, but everything is good now. <laughs> okay. Now, do you live in that for a long time part of the year? Or do you have a kind of like a home base that you come back to when you're not traveling? Uh, now we're living six months in a bus, six months in Rio. Like, okay. We have a house in Rio also, like the house we're now. Yep. And then... Like for now, I just can spend six months in Hood, in Hood River. <laughs> I've been nice on Hood River, but I can spend six months in US and then can spend six months in Brazil. Okay. So we're kind of doing this. And we spend a lot of time in Sierra also because the wind is really good there. And I work with a hotel there. And I mean, it's really good to produce content for brands and train. So it's kind of like three months in Sierra, three months in Rio, a couple months in California, a couple months in Hood River. We're kind of like in going to other places also, but it's that's working pretty cool. For yes, been so good. If, if there's anybody that's kind of looking to get more into this lifestyle, what would you say to them? Um, first thing is like people think it's really expensive to like live on the road because you have to buy a van or buy a bus or like something like this. But the first investment, of course, is the like it's a little bit more than just rent a place. But if you think like you're buying a bus or buying a house and then you never pay rent again in your life, like at the end it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we cook a lot in the bus. We the only expensive thing is the gas. So I feel like a lot of people are not doing this because thing is much more expensive than it actually is. So this is one thing. And the other thing is like most of works, like not all the works, of course, it's possible to do remote. And of course, not of the companies are open for that, but like, I'm sure like other companies would be open. So, hey, everyone, I'm not saying you should quit your job and find a different <laughs> company, not this. But right. <laughs> um, if it's something you really, really want to do, like it's a possibility to like maybe start to look for companies different places and like start to look into van or buses or even cars sometimes just to start and it's really good like it's really good to be free and decide like at night what are you going to do next day this is my favorite thing like we're going to sleep like what do we should do tomorrow and sometimes we decide and sometimes we just say like okay let's decide during breakfast and for me this is a dream <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool Oh, I thought you were going to jump in, Dane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, yeah, I think um, I, I, we got a, a van also, and it's like not really built out very much, just bed and storage and some electricity. And I got that for like filming stuff and just to have like a home base. And it's just, it's crazy. Like you, it's like everybody's just so addicted to it right now. Like it's just the craze and it's just, it's so nice to have like I started in the back of my, like my pickup truck I went up to Hood River and like slept in the back and I was like moving all my stuff out sleeping and then moving all my stuff in like just throwing it under my truck and I was like okay I need a little bit better system yeah but like it's just so nice being able to like finish surfing and you just get in your van or whatever and you're just that's your home and you're just there you know, and you don't have to go anywhere and like for every sis like whatever you choose like full bus or like little tiny car like there's problems with it and it's just it's a fun experience like dealing with the problems and like whether it's bathroom or shower or electricity or gas or car brakes i don't know i think like, it adds to it though exactly and it, it, as long as like your work can function with it like even if it's you just do it for like a weekend or a trip like a year or something like that like the van like so many people i talk to that have the van and like just got it and they they live at home and they live and they they work and it's just like oh the van is so sick it's just like it's like such a nice like little house away from your home or whatever wherever mm-hmm. it is like i didn't really think it was going to change my life that much and like i think it changed a ton so can you imagine just staying in the house for now yeah, no. <laughs> no not at all so yeah there is a sense of freedom you get from being on the road and having that freedom of lifestyle and flexibility schedule and it's really enjoy her shower also (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's true yeah showers are cool hey (laughs) can we we jump and talk about your uh because i read you were the first female to kite surf nazare in portugal can we talk about that yes um i always like it like big waves i'm not a big wave surfer like my i have a lot of friends that are big wave surfers so this is kind of like becoming more and more common for me, like like people talking about this and going to those kinds of places. And it's something that maybe I was too crazy because I was definitely not ready to kite Nazare. But because my friends are all the time like, you can do it, you can go, I'm sure you can do it. And I was going to Puerto in a different like kind of like bigger waves. And I was like, okay, I want to do it. So I was waiting for the wave to work with the wind for a long time. And it's really, really hard to happen because we need this specific direction with like a really good swell and a specific, like everything has to be perfect. And it's really hard to have everything like aligned. So I waited for a long time and it never happened. So I was like, okay, it's not gonna happen, it's fine. And then I was ready to go to Cape Verde for the competition. And I saw the forecast and it was perfect for Nazareth. I'm like, okay, maybe I should just fly there before. And if it's good, I'll go. So I flew there, not even having like all the gear. Like I was like kind of ready. And the forecast was just getting better and better and better and better. And I was like, I think it's going to happen. So one of my friends has a jet ski there and he was one of the best like rescuing people and like surfing there. And he was like, let's do this. I'll be there with you. Like, we go to the beach, you like you put your kite in the air, 
you go to the outside, I'll be there and we're going to make it happen. And I was like, fine, let's do this. <laughs> so I went to the beach and it was like in front of me, like really in the sand, like at the beach, the waves were so big, like breaking in front of me. And because of the cliff, the wind was like, really, it was like kind of onshore and sorry, kind of offshore. And with the cliff, the wind was kind of crazy. And I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Because it's really light. Like I didn't know how to go to outside to the outside because the wind was really, really light. So I put my kite in the air and I was, I was waiting for the right moment. And I was like trying to put my board in the water and I had straps at the time because it's so choppy that it's impossible to go strapless. I mean, for okay. me, it was like impossible even like to think about going strapless there. So I was trying to put my board in the water, but the current was so strong that my kite was just like almost falling all the time because the current was like faster than my kite. So I was like, I need a different strategy. So I was like with my kite in there for 40 minutes. And, and then at one point I was like, okay, I'm going to just sit here and the wave going to come and I'm going to start like to loop my kite, loop my kite, loop my kite. And I go with the current and as soon as the wind catch me, like when I go a little further because of the current, my kite going to start to work and I go to the outside. And it's one chance. If my kite goes in the water, like my friend gonna pick me up and with a jet ski and I'm done and I'll be destroyed. My kite gonna be destroyed, but I mm -hmm. mean, that's it. I have one chance and it was good. Like I was so lucky. I, I was like looping, 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 looping. And I passed the first one and I was feeling like stronger in my kite and the kart started to like have more pressure and more pressure. And at one point I, I was like, overpowered like completely because I was so close to the beach so I didn't know how the wind would be like in the outside oh yeah and at the end I was so overpowered that I was like passing like big waves like like a jet ski <laughs> and then I went outside and it was so much adrenaline I remember like it was yesterday my mouth was like was dry it was the weird like feeling of like oh yeah all dry and I could stop smiling like it was like the biggest smile ever and my mouth was completely dry and I had like, was really cold, it was during the winter. So I had like hoodies, like life vests, wetsuits, like lycras and like my harness. Like I couldn't hear good and I couldn't like, it was just a crazy feeling of my body, like really feeling super alive. And I caught a few waves, but it was definitely really hard because the wind is a little offshore and the wind was really strong. And, and I'm goofy, so I had to go like um, uh, switch. switch, which was really hard. Like I couldn't go toe side because of the offshore wind. Okay. So I had to go switch in <laughs> big Nazareth. It was a little crazy. But <laughs> Add that to the <laughs> repertoire. How big was the yeah. wave that day? <laughs> yeah, it was Jeez, a little crazy. That... But at the same time, like having straps on my board and having my kite, it's like being with the rope on the ski all the time. So I was feeling really safe. Like even knowing if something goes, goes wrong, I'm like completely in trouble and I can die. I was like, okay, I'm doing this my whole life. I know how to control my kite. I just have to be focused and don't be dumb. Okay. And I was trying like to choose good my waves and think about what I was doing. And I caught like a couple waves and I was like, I think it's good for a first day to don't like pass the limits. And, and I went back to the marina and I was like, I want to do this my whole life. This is what I want to do. Like I want to 
like go find big waves like all over the world for kiting. But then pandemic started and my dream kind of melted. <laughs> I don't know. I still want to do this. That's why I was yeah. that happy about um, Madagascar when they told me it would be like 20 feet and I'm goofy and it's just left there. So I was like, a lefty 20 feet, like super strong wind. This is a dream. Like I was really happy about. And I like those things. I also went to Antarctica and I kite in Antarctica before Nazare. Oh, no way. And I feel like was as hard as Nazare. And I realized that adrenaline is the thing that moves me the most. I really like the adrenaline and the feeling of like living the moment and like, don't do anything wrong or you're going to be really in trouble. I like yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm, nope. enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying foiling and winging and like strapless freestyle is nice. But the feeling of like a barrel, even like don't have to be big, but like a barrel of a Nazare or like kiting in the middle of icebergs, like those kind of things that make you feel like really in the moment. I don't know. It really makes me feel alive. So you're going to get out at Nazare too then, Dane, and be the photog and that thing next to <laughs> Yeah, the photographer. <laughs> I I like medium-sized waves, small to medium. So I surf and she sits on the beach judging sure. me. And then, and then it gets big enough and she goes and I take photos. So it also works out well. Hey, that works out no, well. It's not true. It's not true. The thing is like Dane is so passionate about surfing that whatever wave he's in the water. And I think I'm a little spoiled about like surfing. And I really like barrels. So sometimes yeah. it's not good and small and like mushy and weird and windy. And I'm like, okay, I'm happy taking pictures. <laughs> and he's having the time of his life. <laughs> and I'm yeah. happy taking pictures. <laughs> but it's not about the size. It's about like the conditions. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's cool. So are there any trips coming up for you both? Like where are you heading off to next? Uh, we're planning on going to Chile, like maybe end of November, beginning of December. Not sure yet. We're like talking about a couple places, but probably Chile. I love Chile. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Like I wanted to live there a lot for many years. And now I'm fine about the bus in Rio, but it, we're probably going there. <laughs> so what spots are you going to kite wing over there? Uh, we probably go to Matanzas, to Roca Quadrada. It's a couple hours from Santiago. It's really good. And I have some friends there. It's a little cold, <laughs> but it's beautiful and wild. And like, it's, it's really nice. You have to like drive in sand to get to the spot. And then it's just a couple people and it's like rocks and dolphins. And it's really beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah, that would be a pretty cool trip. Mm -hmm. And there's like some waves around, like really good for fighting or winging. It's nice. It's, it's a beautiful place. And then you build your story. Are there different themes of stories that you like to put out to people? Um, yeah, I, I mean, we kind of talk about what it's going to be beforehand. I definitely um, have been doing a lot of like short stuff, 
Instagram brand stuff. Um, and I want to for sure, like push myself to like actually tell stories, do longer trips, like okay. have a lot of meaning behind that. And I'm super happy about how Maddie Asker, like I'm halfway through editing it now. Okay. Ish. Nice. I'm super happy how that's turning out. And so like these, these kind of trips have a, just a, a more opportunity to just kind of tell the story of the trip and like we have ideas beforehand, but it all changes. So it's kind of based on everything. As long as I can capture as much as I possibly can. And as, as they say, is the magic's in the editing. So you kind of just pull, pull what you can. And as long as you like, I don't know, I always have to tell myself like, just like, it's e- super easy to get frustrated. Like when you're like filming, you're like, ah, I'm not getting what I think I should have got or whatever. And then majority of the time I look back at what I do have and I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty cool. I wish I'd kept mm-hmm. filming, you know? So like, I'm like really forcing myself just to like keep filming, keep telling the story, keep like keep pushing at it and like it'll, it'll happen. So awesome. The, the idea for Chile, I don't know yet. You know, we'll, we'll go for find a good swell and, and what happens happens. So. Yeah, this will okay. be different. Like this time, for the first time, we're going to wait for the swell and fly for the swell. Because normally all trips, we just like find a date and we go and we have what we have and that's it. But he's not that far from Rio. It's like four hours flying, maybe a little longer. But yeah, maybe a little longer. <laughs> but anyway, it's not like really far. So it's okay like to wait for the swell and fly. And it make everything easier and better also. So I hope this will be more like more about action because we had one like really telling stories like Madagascar and now have one more like good waves, good wind, like bigger swell and yeah, more about- Like real storm chasers. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Nice guys. Well, hey, is there anything else um, that you both wanted to chat about or get out to the public about F1 or just um, anything else in general? Um, we were talking about the gear and I talked about my spoils, but not about the wing. And yeah. you told me you learned how to wing with the swing. I did, yeah. Which is funny because you probably had the same experience about like changing for the strike. Mm-hmm. And talking about gear, I'm back into the swing now. Oh, really? And then is really really good so I feel like a lot of people really like thinking the swing was more for the for beginners and like people that were not really like good enough to try the strike and maybe it was true the last swing I don't even know much because I I changed the strike like really fast but the new swing is really good especially for people that like waves Ah, okay yeah that's good to know (laughs) Good to I'm know. I'm really like riding the swing a lot now. I mean, now I'm not riding anything, but like <laughs> as soon as I'm back, I was riding a lot in Madagascar. Okay. <laughs> what kind of wings are you riding, Dan? Uh, her, her wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I don't really have an obligation to ride. Uh, okay. Like I ride Freedom foil boards and then lift. So, okay. Kind of ride whatever wing I. I want that one. Wings are sick, so yeah, they're unreal. Yeah, and she lets me steal them, and I haven't haven't popped one yet. So not to keep going. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. Well, hey, like I want to say 
thanks a lot for for joining, sharing. And this is more just about talking about life and, and all your adventures. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for inviting us. It was cool. Yeah, it was fun. Glad, yeah. it, glad it worked. Yeah. Well, we sorted out our technical issues and... But yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to have you back on. Maybe next time you hit Nazar or some some other spot, we can hook up and just uh, and share some more stories. Sure, of course. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for joining, and hey, everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>